Good morning. This scripture reading for today is from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapters 15, verses 20 through 26, 29 through 34, and 54 through 57. Or you can turn to page 6 in your bulletin. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One more time, Christ is risen. You know, spontaneous moment here. Uh, We have in the bulletin written for you a number of different languages representative of some of the languages from families of origin and places of origin of you, uh, people that are part of our church. Could I ask if you're so brave to, to call out in uh, a language that you can read here or a language that is not represented here, but where you can also say in that mother tongue, Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. Could you please? I'm going out on a limb here, folks. Leave me hanging. Oh, you got to do the whole thing for us, because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Amen. Belgian, huh? Tell us the language after you read it. That's great. Arabic. Amen. 
Amen. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Let's pray. God, we pray your blessing upon this time in your word that you would make it real, make it alive, even as you are truly alive. The risen Lord before us through these words. Help our hearts to respond to you like this is true. Send your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine... Imagine for a moment a life and a world free from the finality of death. Will you dare imagine that for a moment? A life and a world free from death. What would it feel like? How might you behave differently? What would it look like? Your life, your relationships, your work the sidewalks, the streets, the communities around us. And I'm perfectly aware, of course, that some of you might opt out of that thought exercise. Maybe you even said to yourself, no thanks, that just hits a little bit too close to home. Maybe a recent loss or a certain fear, the tragedy of death too close to home. And I totally understand if that's where you're at this morning. But maybe this moment also helps us to notice how much life really is terrorized by the reality of death and even by the mere possibility of dying. We're fragile people, aren't we? And we live like it. If you think about how we spend our money and what we spend our money on, how we eat, how maybe you're nervous about turning 40, or 20, or 50, or 70. How fast you drive, where we live, if you have a cho- choice about where you live. Why you can't flip through certain photo albums, maybe. How you're bumming about the way your body looks, or the way your mind now works, compared to 10 or 20 years ago. Maybe you avoid the doctor, maybe you avoid friends. You know, the book of Hebrews even depicts death as a, a master who enslaves and abuses us with fear. Which is precisely why the hope of Easter really is so real and relevant to us, isn't it? And why this passage from 1 Corinthians it has just so much life-changing potential. Because its message to us is simply this, that the resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of the end of death. The resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of the end of death. Do you know that God hates death? Did you know that God hates at all? Are you mad at death because God is? 
death disfigures us. It distorts our God-imaging dignity. It's why in verse 26, the Apostle Paul calls death God's enemy. God has declared war on death. And that's good news. And it's new news maybe to us because sometimes we cope with death by telling ourselves that it's just normal, a fact of life, that it's natural. We even talk about dying of quote-unquote natural causes. And yes, it's true that death is absolutely universal. No one's beat it yet, except for Jesus. Everyone dies. The Bible tells us there's nothing natural or normal about death. In fact, verse 21, alluding to the Genesis story that we've been studying here over the last couple of months, reminds us that death came through a man. Death once invaded life, as one theologian put it, death is an alien inimical power. We were created to live forever. And we were created to live whole as embodied souls and ensouled bodies. Death is a brutally violent ripping apart of our body and soul, a ripping apart of our humanity. Death is an alien, inimical power that came into our world as a curse and consequence of human rebellion, self-centered sin against God. As verse 21 tells us again, death came through a man in Adam, all die. We disintegrate when we live a life apart from God. And what is sin but the heart that says to God, thanks, I've got it from here. No need for you here in this part of my life, that part of my life, a cancer of our soul. And so we, like plants who try to live apart from the sun with dear ingratitude, start to fall apart. As Romans 6.23 tells us, the wages of sin is death. Have you thought about that lately? That death is actually a consequence of human sin. And so if you want to address the problem of death, you have to first address the problem of sin. Here we have in verse 56 this poetic word here taken from the prophets. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Telling us that sin is sort of this venomous and poisonous power in our lives, which is exactly what makes death so terrible. I grew up myself in the deserts of California, Not in a time where the drought is nearly as bad as it is now, but certainly a time when it wasn't uncommon to see a rattlesnake coming through your front yard or scorpions or you just wouldn't go into your garage and rummage through boxes without being careful because you just never know when you might encounter a, a black widow 
almost living with the fear of poison and venom in your midst as a desert kid, a desert rat, that was me. Here we're told that sin is like a venomous power, a a, a poison that makes death what it is. Why? Well, because sin makes death this ugly and terrifying doorway to judgment where suddenly you're standing naked, morally naked, exposed before the God of the universe, the judge of all things, with all your selfishness and with all your lovelessness and all your self-centeredness just laid bare. That day comes for all of us. The sting of death is our sin. That's what makes it such a terrifying thing. The corruption of sin in all of our hearts. If you want to deal with death, you've got to deal with sin. Thanks be to God, this is what Jesus did on the cross where he effectively takes death itself and and sort of does judo on it, right? Judo, which is sort of taking your enemy's force and turning it right back on them. Some of you know this better than I do. But not through another means or through another avenue, but through death itself. Jesus takes the punishment and judgment that I deserve for all my self-centeredness pays the price so that I, in exchange, might have life. True life. Jesus lets the sting of sin pierce his own soul, taking the hell separation from God that you and I deserve. And therefore, the doorway of death leads not now to judgment, but to life and glory. What a transformation. As verse 21 and 22 tell us, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So that you now can sing this song of victory in verse 55 taken from Hosea 13. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting. Have you sung that lately if you are in Christ Jesus? Do you want to sing that song? If you detect in your heart even a quiet fear, not just of death itself, but even the threat of death, or disease, or injury, or aging, the way that life is just falling apart, it terrorizes you. No, You have hope offered out before you. Hope in the form of a song. Do you want to sing it? Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And of course, if you're paying attention, someone says, that's the case, what's going on? There's still death, isn't there? Death still does seem to reign. We all die, don't we? Jesus died. Sure, you say he beat death, but nothing seems to have changed. 
Well, I point your attention to a deep theological source, and that is to horror movies and suspense movies all around us. You know that final scene? No, no, not the final scene, the next to final scene. When finally the bad guy is slain, or so you think, the monster is taken down over the cliff or now lying on the ground, and you know what happens. You just know you're calling out to the screen, don't walk by, don't hug, not yet, don't peer over the cliff, because before you know it, there's that hand grabbing at you. There's that person rising up, that monster coming after you all over Again, it's not much different here, you see. The mortal wound has already been inflicted unto death. Death is like a hobbling king dragging himself around, swinging his sword, cutting up everyone that he possibly can. We live, though, in the era of death's last stand. And the end is coming soon. And in the meanwhile, there's hope for those who belong to Jesus. Where his own words, Jesus is to the thief next to him on the cross, is true to you. For those who might die, you just don't know on any given day if you're in Christ. Today you will be with me in paradise. Or where the Apostle Paul could write that to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. But one day, someday, death will finally die. On the cross, death was defeated, but when Jesus returns, death will die. This is the hope of the resurrection, friends. This is the promise of this passage in verse 54 then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory and Christ is the first fruits of those who would come alive the language of a great harvest where Jesus is the first of many more who are in him who also will be raised from the dead that day that's coming soon, not soon enough and yet very soon, when death will die. And when we will rise up together and be able to sing with all confidence in all glory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is more than just our imagination, of course. More than just a myth. More than just wishful thinking. Those well-known words from the well-known movie, Shawshank Redemption. Yes, it's true that hope is a dangerous thing. But I tell you today that living without any hope is even more dangerous than that. To live without resurrection hope in the face of the reality of death and sin and judgment. To have this hope on the other hand is the greatest joy and victory of all. 
And so what difference does it make? Okay, so it gives you a life in the future, but we'll close now with a couple words, a couple today words for the difference that the death of death, the resurrection of Christ and of all things and all those who are in him might really mean. You see, that's what this whole middle section of the passage is all about. In verse 29, when the Apostle Paul says, now if there is no resurrection, he's posing to us these questions. What if the resurrection is true? What might life really be like if the coming death of death really is a promise and a reality? Paul gives us three things, really more, but we're going to look at three. Number one, the death of death means the death of meaninglessness. Verse 32, if the death are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. What gets you up in the morning? What motivates you out the door? Maybe today, nothing. Maybe that's why you dragged yourself in here today. Maybe you you feel lost or directionless. Maybe you're really doing really well on the outside, but you know deep down inside you have no idea where you're heading. Here is a word that tells you where you might head. Future glory. A place where you can anchor the meaning of your soul and identity, knowing, yes, that your life doesn't just slump over where you're just sort of eating and drinking and being merry or pretending to, doing whatever with your life because life is whatever. But now you have substance, even glory at the heart of who you are. Because you're beginning to believe and understand that your life is eternal. That your choices are gloriously everlasting. That even the work of your hands, even the mundane tasks of every day, really, in fact, might last forever by the Spirit of God. And understand that you look in the mirror and you say, well, who am I? Is there any meaning here? Any glory? And to believe that God doesn't toss you in the trash heap or the recycling bin. Life doesn't get extinguished when all is said and done. He intends to redeem every part of you, even your physical body, even your mistakes, even your sins, even your wounds, even in your brokenness, Jesus will have victory over it all. And so you can wake up in victory and go to sleep in victory and live that way, everything in between. The death of death means the death of meaninglessness. Secondly, the death of death means the death of self-centeredness. Verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. It is true that hopelessness reaps sinful self-centeredness. Where you just start to say, well, screw it. 
just I'll abuse myself and everyone in front of me. Because it doesn't really matter anyway. Futurelessness reaps sinful self-centeredness because you just don't believe there are any consequences to what you do. The resurrection tells us that your choices are consequential. Meaninglessness reaps sinful selfishness. Because if you just don't care, you just don't care. The resurrection of Christ causes up to rise up and to say, I was made, built, and redeemed for nothing less than glory. And now that I am slowly over time in Christ being made to be more like Jesus, and one day, even physically, I will look like him, as the epistle to John says, for we shall see him and we shall be like him. Even now, we can begin to live with love overturning all the energy that's directed to self in our sin and point it upward and point it outward so that your life actually is a life becoming of your uniform. Your resurrection clothing, the glory that is to come, and simply because Jesus had loved you so and will love you to the end... How can you not love also? To love God and to love neighbor is the fruit of resurrection life. Because the death of death is the death of our self-centeredness and also our meaninglessness. And lastly, of course, the death of death means the death of the fear of death. In verse 30 and 31, Paul says, And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? Apostle Paul is talking about the way in which The death of Christ and his resurrection has defanged death, taken the sting out of death, given us victory over death. And so then we can live without fear of death. Do you long to live a life of righteous risk? To be willing to dare to move out into other people's lives into people and into places in ways that really might cost you to love well? Are you tired of living safe? Sure, maybe free without horrifying injury that comes with loving well, but surely safe even from the grip of glory and the call to love like Jesus, and to share in his kingdom as fellow lovers of sinners saved by grace. Oh, to live with resurrection fearlessness, 
fearlessness as we are even compelled to move out in in mission and for the sake of gospel communication and for the sake of sacrificial love to move out into places that God may have called us to risk all even. What are you refusing to risk today because you struggle to believe in resurrection? Or what might the promise that Jesus is raised and you together with him one day will be raised indeed already spiritually have been raised? How might that draw you in into the risk of gospel love? As brother Pat Joe penned so helpfully in his poem posted on our website, though the darkness echo loud, Though the deathly silence shroud, no earthly fear will I allow. The death of death, the resurrection of Christ, frees us to live like that. On Thursday, 147 people in Garissa University in Kenya were slaughtered as you may well know, most of whom were college students and, according to reports, most of whom were targeted because of their Christian faith. And in response, on Friday, the Archbishop of the Anglican Church of Kenya released a statement that contained the following words with which I want to close. He wrote, This attack was a calculated manifestation of evil designed to destroy our nation and our faith. But on this Good Friday, we are reminded that the very worst evil can do is not the last word. Jesus' death upon the cross was not in vain. By death, death has been destroyed. The stone rolled away in the empty tomb of Jesus assures us that death does not have the last word. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of the end of death. Will you believe it today? Maybe for the first time and maybe fresh, anew, and with life-changing power. Death does not have the last word. With me now, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to believe and even see you before our very eyes of faith that you are risen. Help us to take it into our souls in a way that transforms our lives. Give us resurrection faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing this old hymn, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Let's sing and let's believe.